Hello, welcome to my Sober Militia podcast. Today's episode is called Easy Sobriety, Core Belief 5, Part 3. Material Intention The idea of living with intention in regard to material things may sound a bit counterintuitive, but I believe there is some merit there as well. For most of my life, I lived by barely getting by. I never made much money and I never really had nice things. I say that in quotes because it's a subjective statement. Nice is a perception through the eyes of the beholder. For someone who doesn't have a car, a 25-year-old beater is actually quite nice when compared with taking the bus every day. What I mean is, I was never in a position to purchase anything extra. I felt as though I had what I needed, but nothing I wanted. Over time, a person starts to feel as though they do not deserve to have nice things above and beyond their needs. I remember a 10-year stint where I worked for a millionaire as a ranch hand. They were great people and treated me very well, but it was difficult to watch people constantly have whatever they wanted. It started to affect me personally because I was not able to live in that way, and what did that say about me? I kept finding myself trying to live in the same manner, on a much smaller scale, but I was always broke and not even living paycheck to paycheck. A person's self-worth can be negatively affected by their inability to live well, even from a material standpoint. Looking back at my life, it's pretty easy to see one of the reasons I was always broke. I constantly tried to fill a hole with things. The hole I was trying to fill was quite large, and no amount of alcohol, things, friends, love, or experiences could fill it. It was a losing battle, because the way in which I was trying to fill the hole was all wrong. If you are an addict, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember having visceral feelings of needing to buy something to make myself feel better. It didn't even matter what the thing was, as long as I was able to purchase it. I instantly felt better. When that thing arrived, I felt better about myself for a little while. Then that thing would lose its luster and I would lose interest. Soon after I would develop another need to purchase something else to feel better. This went on and on until my garage was so full of shit I couldn't park my 25 year old beater in it. Even my closets were full of stuff. All of the things filling up my apartment in my life were unnecessary, temporary fixes for a problem that needed an entirely different approach. I was empty, and nothing I could purchase was going to fix that fact. Need What do we need? This is the age-old question when we look at life from the perspective of living well. We need food and water. We need shelter. We need love and connection. We need a job, and our job may require us to own a vehicle to get to it without wasting a lot of our life in transit. We need clothes. What we need is not a very big list. The problem we run into in regard to our needs generally revolves around the quality of the things we need. Depending on our job and lifestyle, the quality of the things we need differs greatly from person to person and family to family. One of the worst concepts we can ever fall victim to is the concept of keeping up with the Joneses. We see our neighbors with a new car and we want a new car. We see our neighbor's boat and we want a boat. 
We see our neighbor's 80-inch television, and we want an 80-inch television. We somehow convince ourselves we have to compete with people and their things to define our self-worth. All the while, we are engaging in negative self-talk about why we are unable to keep up. What is wrong with us? It's a merry-go-round of self-perpetuating unworthiness. Why can't we just be happy with what we have? It goes back to the whole. Whatever or whoever created it, it is a life-sucking, soul-draining entity for an internal, self-loathing existence. We cannot fill the hole externally. It has to be filled internally. We have to find the initial source of the hole and begin there. Otherwise, the hole just gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper until we lose ourselves in it completely. One of the easiest ways to begin understanding the source of our emptiness is to get rid of one of the root causes. The entire purpose of alcohol, drugs, and negative behaviors is to mask true feelings. We do not like to feel pain, suffering, loss, sadness, or anger. So we seek out and use substances we know will squelch those feelings. The feelings and their causes don't disappear. They simply fade temporarily. Unfortunately, when the feelings return, they generally do so in a heightened and more pronounced way, and the circle of addiction and abuse begins. When we allow ourselves to feel something and effectively deal with our feelings, our holes close up just a little. Each time we successfully negotiate negative feelings, the hole closes further. Over time, we learn and understand the hole was self-made, and we no longer need to try and fill it. We realize the whole is simply a mirror of our emotional state. The The more emotionally closed off we are to ourselves, the world, and the people around us, the bigger the whole. The more emotionally open we allow ourselves to be, the smaller the whole. Living emotionally open allows us to see our needs through a different lens. We judge the quality of our lives through internal fulfillment rather than by external things. We are at peace. Want. Who doesn't want things? Let's be honest. We all have wants and desires that fall well out of the range of our basic needs. On some level, I'm sure it's part of our survival instincts part of our internal need to grow and achieve. If we didn't want things, how as a species would we have ever evolved? Want creates motivation and drive, and motivation and drive facilitate action, and action is the catalyst for change. The problem with want lies in its foundation. From where is the want derived? If a want is in response to the extrinsic need to fill a hole, then want is as damaging as the hole itself. It only preserves the forever growing and self-perpetuating cycle of emptiness. If a want is in response to an internal need for growth, then it can motivate us to achieve more, to be better, to find the best version of ourselves. Want, in this regard, is one of the healthiest gifts we can allow ourselves to enjoy. Let's look at an example of each type of want. 
The first is the want in response to the extrinsic need to fill a hole. I remember times before I quit drinking and finding my peace when I would have a bad day or something negative happened. The negativity invigorated loneliness within me. I felt uncomfortable in my own skin, and I felt as though I needed something to make myself feel more normal. Sometimes I would drink, use nicotine, or lean on bad behaviors to try and feel better. Sometimes I would try to make myself feel more comfortable by buying something I wanted. Most of the time, if I'm honest, the thing I ended up buying was completely unnecessary and even barely wanted. It didn't matter what I purchased, it only mattered that I wanted it at that moment. For the sake of visualization, let's say, after a bad day, I decided I wanted another microphone for my podcast. I did not need one, everything I had was working fine, but at that moment I found a way to convince myself how much better my life would be if I just had a new microphone. I hit the purchase button on the computer and instantly feel a little bit better. Then for the next couple of days, I anxiously await its arrival before I know how good it is going to feel when it finally arrives. The anxiety created in this waiting period should be enough to tell me I am on the wrong path toward easing my discomfort. Nevertheless, I wait, and when it arrives, I receive an enormous amount of pleasure opening up the package and using it for the first time. As time passes, the novelty of the new thing wears off, and I no longer receive enjoyment from its place in my life. Later on, I have another bad day and begin the cycle over again, never truly feeling any relief from the discomfort. The second want is the want in response to an internal need for growth. This is what I have found to be the majority of my life's desires since I quit drinking. I've allowed the hole to close for the most part, and I no longer feel the need to fill it with external rewards. It is not fully closed. I am still human but it is closed enough for me to see the difference in the way I approach dealing with discomfort, negativity, and bad days. Here's a perfect example of how my life has changed in response to living out of a desire for growth rather than a desire for things. For the longest time, my wife has been trying to get me to create a vision board. I don't know why it has been so hard for me to do because I love the idea and I have fully bought in to the idea of the secret. I believe we can use our thoughts to affect change, to materialize things, and to create positive outcomes. I just never took the time to create a vision board. Since I quit drinking, I finally have, and the result has been staggering. I did not realize what had happened at first. It took me a few weeks to pick up on it. But when I finally did, I was amazed. One day, I was looking over my vision board and I had an epiphany. Everything on my vision board was not of material nature. There were no things on my board. Everything I wanted in my life consisted of growth, movement, experience, and living. There is nothing on my board tangible. In the past, my board would have been filled with things. Now it's filled with hopes and dreams. Believe. It was this realization that inspired me to write about living with intentions regarding the material world. Is it wrong to want a nice car, a big home, a large television, 
No, of course not. What is wrong is to want those things as a way to distract ourselves from our own realities. Instead of going in debt to purchase the sports car, set it in an intention to own one in the future. Then begin to take steps to make it happen in an organic way. Do not force it because it will not mean the same in the end. We all deserve to have everything we want, but we do not deserve to end up owned by those things. Set intentions for a better job, a bigger home, a nicer car, but be patient. We must open ourselves up to new opportunities as they arise, or make opportunities to help us achieve our goals. Most importantly, we must believe we deserve what we want because what we want is to grow, to be better, and to become the best possible version of ourselves. Start small, but start realistically. Set an intention for something you have always wanted. The day I quit drinking, I set the intention to write professionally. I'm not quite there, but I'm on my way because I believe it to be true, and I'm taking the steps necessary to actualize my goal. You can too. So this was the last section of this Easy Sobriety Core Belief Series. And I think it's kind of fitting really to end in this way. And like I said at the beginning of the blog, it's interesting to write about material things in a term of uh, mindfulness and trying to live better, living well and those kind of things, because uh, it can be somewhat counterintuitive. But I think it's important because while Wanting too many things can be damaging to us. You know, not wanting anything can be damaging as well. And I think that idea of setting proper intentions for where we want to be and where we want to go and what we want to do uh, can be a very healthy thing. Um, when I think about, you know, my life before I gave up drinking and um, the amount of time I wasted in that life and that way of uh, living, um, it's hard to actually uh, ponder because it, it kind of hurts a little bit because I did waste and spend a lot of time <clears throat> on things that were not important and um, in fact damaging. So it's, you know, it's a bittersweet a little bit to look back on those times because it's amazing to see how far I've come and and to be proud of myself for what I'm doing and, and uh, all the things I've accomplished, you know, since. But it is tough to kind of, you know, think about those wasted times. But when I want to reach out and, you know, talk to people who are struggling with this idea of sobriety and recovery and um, keep falling back and, you know, onto the, uh, you know, uh, their addictions. One of the things I want to try to grab a hold of people of, and sometimes I feel like I want to just shake people and try to wake them up and be like, look, uh, your intentions really do kind of set forth everything that's out in front of you. And if your intention is to struggle with your addiction and to just try to get by or to just grin and bear it every day, then I feel like that's what you're going to do. 
Um, but if your intention is to to move out of this thing, to get past it, to move on, to be better, then I feel like you can do that too. And I feel that lends into that idea of easier sobriety, which is what I've been talking about a lot. Um, but we have to have something to, you know, shoot for. And we don't want to shoot for a life of addiction or a life of recovery. We want to shoot for a period of time where we can properly get through something that's difficult for us and then move on. That should be the ultimate goal, I think. Um, I can't imagine setting forth on this journey when I did thinking I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I, I can't even think of anything more horrible, to be honest with you. Um, and so when I hear that kind of thought process, it, it's uh, disturbing a little bit to me because um, if we think that way, that's where we're going to go. And that's what's going to happen. It, we almost virtually ensure that that's what we're going to deal with. And that's why I believe so much in the opposite. If we have intentions to not experience that, I think we can experience that just as easily as the other. But in terms of our material world too, I think that, you know, um, there is a lot of talk about being an overly materialistic society and, and, you know, just walk around. We, we take our walks outside, uh, you know, every night with our dog and, you know, you look in pretty much every garage and it's packed full of just stuff. And I think, you know, I, that used to be me. I used not so much that way because I couldn't afford to have all that stuff, but I still managed to fill up, you know, spaces that didn't need to be filled up with just things. And it became from that idea of like trying to fill this hole, you know, and it felt like it worked, you know. I remember that. I, st- I can still remember the feeling of being so excited to just buy something. And it changed everything that was going on in my life at that time. And it just felt better. I felt better. And, uh, and you know, that thing would come and I'd be excited. And, and then it would, you know, fade away. And then I'd need something else. And, and I think that's a pretty common occurrence for people. I think it's probably current, you know, common for people who aren't even in addiction. But for addicts, I think it's even more damaging because I think it can happen in a much deeper level. But once we, you know, learn that that hole just never gets full and that we can find a way to close that hole without things, then I think we can start seeing things in a different light. And that's why the vision board thing was so important to me and, and kind of caught me off guard when, once I realized it. And it was kind of by accident. I just, you know, I have it on my wall right here on my desk and in front of me and I was looking up at it and I was reading all the different things I have on there. And I'm like, wow, there's not one thing on that board. And uh, I thought that was just bizarre because in my past, it's always been about things. Always wanted just stuff, you know? And uh, I think my wife and I are good partners in that sense because uh, neither one of us like a lot of things. We like nice things when we decide to do that, but um, we don't spend a lot of time and money on things we don't need for sure. And uh, in terms of my vision board, it's kind of funny because I look up there now and there is a there is one thing. And I added my 71 Challenger uh, as a thing that I want. So I'm like, I got to have something up there. So I did that. I, I got a car on my vision board. Other than that, it's all life stuff. Being a writer, being successful in the ventures I'm in right now, uh, snowboarding, family. Pretty much it. So, 
that's the end of this series. And as you guys know, um, I will be moving on in a different direction. I tend to do that every so often. And this one's been fun to, to write about. I think I'll be revisiting it for sure because I think there's so much more here. Um, but it was my first kind of real go at trying to think about the idea of easy sobriety, which is something that's on my mind a lot lately. And uh, thinking about the core beliefs, you know, what are the five things that we really need to change the way we think in order to experience, you know, recovery and sobriety in a different way? And and I think these are important. I've been receiving a lot of real positive feedback about them. And I hope that, uh, you know, my, my real big hope is for those people who are new, you know, the uh, sober curious types that come in and don't really have any preconceived notions of the negativity that surrounds sobriety and they see something like this and go wow i can do that too that's not that big a deal because it's really not and that's why it's been easy for me is it wasn't a big deal because these are the the things i felt that helped me that i found to make my sobriety easier and, and i want to pass those along and I'll keep trying to think of ways to articulate it better because I feel like I'm not there yet. But as I, you know, learn more and grow and set intentions to learn about this idea more, I think that'll happen as well. Hope you guys are doing really well. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, one more day for the weekend. Take care, be safe, stay strong, stay sober.